Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Thursday, July 7th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Missouri lawmakers are likely to be back in Jefferson City this year for a special session on tax relief. That includes reducing the individual income tax rate, raising the standard deduction allowance, and simplifying the tax code. We'll see what happens when they get to that special session. St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg will discuss the next steps for Missouri lawmakers following the recently completed legislative session in just a few minutes. St. Louis County Executive Sam Page says it's up to the state highway patrol to determine what's next in the case of a now former county employee accused of taping a sexual act with a woman in the county building. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All reports, that's not enough for one member of the county council. Page's chief of staff, Cal Harris, resigned his job after he was questioned about the video by the state highway patrol. Page says it's no longer a county matter. There was an inappropriate act in the county building. That was wrong. A video was made that was wrong. And the video was distributed. And that was wrong. The highway patrol is investigating. They'll determine what crimes were committed and we'll wait for their report. Council member and longtime page critic Tim Fitch says he plans to introduce legislation that would make it a misdemeanor punishable with up to a year in jail for any county employee to engage in any sexual act on county property. The council could start considering that legislation as soon as its next meeting on Tuesday. I'm Jonathan All, St. Louis Public Radio. The chairman of the Madison County Board has lost many of his duties following a special board meeting. Many members accuse Kurt Prinsler of, quote, chronically inept management. They are appointing a chairperson and vice chairperson to take over many of Prinsler's responsibilities until the end of his term in 2024. Board member Mike Walters supports the change. We're not taking away your powers. We're going to oversee more of what you're doing because we're sick and tired of lawsuits after lawsuits after lawsuits. The board settled multiple lawsuits last year. Prenzler tells the Belleville News Democrat that he is disappointed by last night's vote to remove some of his responsibilities. Illinois Judge Lisa Holder-White will be sworn in today, becoming the first black woman on the state Supreme Court. She will succeed Rita Garman, who was first elected in 2001 and served three years as Chief Justice. Garman represented the 4th District as a Republican, but she says the Supreme Court in Illinois is not a political force, despite the fact that justices need to be elected. But politics doesn't enter the discussion. Uh, never comes up at the table, and it really comes down to the way the justice views the, you know, the law and the, and the evidence in in the decision-making. Garman says it will be important for the justices in the future to remain independent and resist party politics while on the bench. Most school districts usually have only a few open positions by this point of the summer. But, as St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports, there are more vacancies this year, and school leaders say it's taking longer to fill them. Teacher shortages predated the pandemic, but three contentious years have made hiring even harder for many schools. Fort Zumwalt School District's Bernard Dubray is the longest-serving superintendent in Missouri. He says the need for support staff in particular is the worst he's seen in almost 38 years. We'll fill all our teaching positions. That'll that'll be done. It's just a little slower than normal. Uh, But uh, many of our support staff positions, custodians, 
uh, bus drivers, paras will go unfilled just because there aren't applicants for the roles. Other districts across the region also say they're having trouble hiring for those jobs, along with teachers. I'm Kate Grumke, St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis's Dutchtown neighborhood is receiving money to connect youth with educational and social services. State lawmakers approved more than $100,000 for the Dutchtown Opportunity Coalition for Youth. The program will help ensure young people are going to school, and it will link them with vital services and programs. Bridget Flood is the executive director of Incarnate Word Foundation, which is also providing money toward the initiative. She says it could make a big impact on Dutchtown's young people. If we want them to be caring, happy, successful adults who reach their full potential, I want to make sure that they get a great education. And I want to make sure that they also have enough to eat. The program is expected to be funded through the rest of the year. Many political observers in Missouri are still assessing the recently completed legislative session. Lawmakers passed a record budget while coming to terms on issues including congressional redistricting and education funding. I spoke with St. Louis Public Radio reporter Sarah Kellogg about what made it to the governor's desk and at least one item that remains unresolved. One of the big takeaways from the session is Governor Mike Parson's veto of a tax rebate plan, but the talk of tax relief has not gone away. Where does that all stand? Yeah, it was a move that some of us saw coming. Parson expressed doubt over it from the beginning. He didn't like that it was a one-time fix. He said he thought it was too rashly put together. He didn't like that not everyone got relief from the plan. So when he, A, line item vetoed the funding for the tax credit the day before he actually vetoed the tax credit, it wasn't much of a shock. But in that same news conference, he called for the special session, as he called it, the largest tax cut in state history. It'll be a permanent income tax cut, according to Parson, and that includes reducing the individual income income tax rate, raising the standard deduction allowance, and simplifying the tax code. Now, we don't really know exactly like the details of this plan. It was just announced, but we'll see what happens when they get to that special session. Lawmakers approved a $47.5 billion budget. What are some key elements of that spending package? Yeah, the record-breaking operating budget. There's a ton here. I'd say one of the biggest takeaways is the money going towards K-12 education. Um, that particular budget bill is like $10.3 billion alone. Mm-hmm. It fully funds the state's school funding formula for public schools. For the first time in many, many years, the state is funding its full share of public school transportation. That alone was $214 million, and there was an additional $17.5 added on, $17.5 million added on. Um, around $21 million is going towards grants to raise starting teacher salaries. Uh, Also included in this budget is fully funding the state's Medicaid program, including its expansion population. And that doesn't even touch the bill that contains federal funding for the American Rescue Plan Act. That's, you know, in addition, $460.1 million towards matching funds for capital improvement projects for higher ed institutions. Basically, each one kind of got their pick of what they wanted to see through this ARPA funding. There's also $250 million in federal stimulus funding for broadband availability expansion. So this is a record-breaking budget. And for some of these projects, it'll take time to spend all that money. You were touching a lot there on education funding, which is always a hot-button issue every session. Photo ID for voters seems to be, as well, a hot topic every session. Why did it get through this year? 
So not counting the budget, the governor signed fewer than 40 pieces of legislation. And with the pressure of spending you know, this money, passing a congressional redistricting map, a lot of oxygen was sucked out of the room. But with election reform, photo ID, that's a measure that most, if not all, Republicans found kind of a common ground with, even with more moderate and conservative Republicans. And if you can get them to band together, they can get a lot of stuff through. So I think it being an area of common ground, of quote unquote, non-controversial area for Republicans helps spur it. And while no Democrats voted for the bill, how Democrats were unhappy that Senate Democrats didn't filibuster it further. There was a worry from Senate Democrats that it could have been a worse bill if they kept holding it up. But this law, at least the photo ID portion, you know, it'll likely be challenged in court. We'll see how it holds up. But I feel like this was kind of one of the priorities for them this year. I want to touch on racial covenants, the racial covenants law. Future property deeds cannot include restrictions based on a person's race, color, religion, or national origin. That follows an investigation here at St. Louis Public Radio showing, I think it's 100,000 properties with such restrictions in St. Louis City and County. So under this new law, how can property owners remove those covenants? So in order to remove these covenants, someone has to submit what they call a certificate of release. The owner of property can submit this form prior to owning the property or even when they discover that such a covenant exists. So the form, this law kind of lists the form. It contains information like the place of record, the specific description of the covenant, the names of the current owner. It appears there needs to be a notary public. So I don't think it's something that you can just kind of find a line and turn it in. There is a process, but it's now a more straightforward process to removing You touched on a lot here, and every session (laughs) a lot lot (laughs) happens. But any surprises from the last few weeks? Honestly, I think that the fact that they were able to pass a congressional redistricting map, if you would have asked me the week they passed it, if it was possible, I would have said no. Yeah, It wasn't looking good for a while. No, it was really literally that the Senate did it and then they left. (laughs) You know, it it appeared to be almost guaranteed (laughs) to be decided by a panel of judges, which would have been actually very advantageous for Democrats. So the fact that the legislature got that done, we have our set of redistricting lines, that was surprising to me. You mentioned earlier an upcoming special session. I don't want to leave that hanging. So uh, the way I understand it, a date is not set, but do we have somewhat of an inkling when this might take place? I mean, I'm not sure, but if I were a betting woman, I would not be surprised to see it run concurrently with the veto session that's the legislature has to do every September, you know, calling in legislators more than once. They're already driving up there for that to run at the same time. makes a lot of sense to me. That was St. Louis Public Radio's Sarah Kellogg on the next steps for Missouri lawmakers following this year's legislative session. Thanks to Fred Ehrlich for editing that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Have a great day. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.